0: What are we going to do? There's only one thing a man can do when he's suffering from a spiritual and existential funk. Go to the zoo? Flip off the monkeys? No. Buy vintage Illini apparel at bad girl. That's right! 4 We wear their shirts. We love their shirts. We're partnering with this great company to create vintage-inspired, high-quality, and well-designed University of Illinois athletic apparel. Fourth and Kirby's got a great online store that'll make you guys feel nostalgic for campus with original designs and designs inspired by artifacts of the past. You can even check out TCR inspired collections as the football season progresses. They're run by alumni that are putting their skills that they honed at the U of I to work and are giving back to the alumni community. So check them out at fourthandkirby.com. That's F O U R T H and K I R B Y.com. And I'll be down there. And I'm going to look good. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn. That dude cleans so good. Welcome to the We Know You Have Sand, Illinois podcast. I'm Brandon Burkhead. I'm here today with Brad Replinger, returning from his hockey hiatus. (laughs) We're here today to talk about the Illinois basketball season and help wrap it up and put a bow on what was just a slog and grind and just kind of a miserable season overall. It was, oh man. Uh, hi first of all hi Brandon hi everybody by the way this I have not returned fully from the hockey hiatus I've got it there's a game today which by the way if you're in the greater Rockford area um, hopefully you were uh, at uh, at the game today to witness a a victory go three in a row here try to get uh, some minor league hockey teams into uh, into the playoffs but that's a whole different podcast Oh, oh man no, oh, good to be back. And uh, and top of the morning to you, by the way, on, a, on this, the St. Patrick's of days. Yep, it's a great day, man. Always. When great. we're recording this, by the way, I should say, when people are listening to this, everybody's probably just a little hungover. So again, I'd say, what, what was your, your best hungover uh, remedy, man? I'm a, I'm a McDonald's breakfast guy through and through. Oh man, I, I had nothing to help solve it. I just like, had to ride <laughs> through it. <laughs> One of those guys, if I had a hangover, it lasted like a day. Like, oh, man. Basically, the only thing I could try to do was wake up and eat something and then fall back asleep and just wait it out. There was no- no- nothing that works. Oh, the you midday nap is The quiet. only thing that works is preventing it by drinking a lot of water before you go to sleep, but it's quite easy to forget to do that. There you go. But anyways, yeah, hope you all drank some Guinness or some Killian's, the underrated Irish beer. Had a I'll fun time. It. Yeah. Killian's is good, man. It's it's okay. I mean, between that and Guinness, there's a no, it's no competition. I said the underrated, not better than Guinness, man. Calm down. <laughs> Fair point. Fire takes. Let's go. Let's well, get into this. I guess the first take is I'm just kind of happy this is over, Brad. Like, I'm mm-hmm. free. I don't have to watch games anymore of Illinois basketball this season. I don't have to turn in and just watch it. I can just take a break, you know. I have three, four months, you know, of just freedom. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, so I'll – I kind of disagree, but I kind of agree. Here's there my was thing. There nothing else that they could have done this year. It was done. Like, oh, it, f- for sure. The goose was cooked, and it was cooked for a while, and I just – We knew like, this was coming, aw. and we'll get, we'll get to this a little bit later with the season predictions from the beginning of the year, but th- we knew this was coming. Just I think the thing well, about this- – okay, we knew a tough season was coming – but no one predicted a 21-loss season, or 22-loss, uh, was it? Uh, some of us did, <clears throat> but uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. No, the thing about what I, this season was to to me, at least, was it, there's three parts to it. You had the beginning part of the season, which was just – the that was like the meat grinder of the season. You had the Gonzaga game, which ultimately turned into the Iowa State game. Um, or wait, no, the Gonzaga game turned into the Xavier game, which turned into the Iowa State game, right? Or did I get that bass Well, we lost four in a row, Georgetown, Gonzaga, Iowa State, Xavier. Right. You, you ran into a, a tougher slate earlier into the year. Pardon the Georgetown game. Um, but, and, then, and then there was even – you had the Notre Dame loss on the road. That, yeah, but Notre Dame wasn't good. And then you lose to Nebraska and Ohio State to start the Big Ten. You know, when we started off two and seven? Like – it it, start, it went from being like a meat grinder, like we just have to get through this, we have to get through Maui, we have to get through these early tough games, to we're just not playing well. Because after that, it turned into the awful des- late December and early January of losing to Missouri and Florida Atlantic, back to back, and then you lose your first, your f- next three Big Ten games and start 0-5 in conference play. Like, we were just playing awful. Mm-hmm. And then the only, respite. After that was you beat Minnesota surprisingly in a game where we just sort of smacked them in the face, sort of like how we beat them in football again this year. You know, Everything just came together, and we scored a lot, and we smacked them right in the face, 195-68. Awesome. Mm -hmm. But then you lose your next two Big Ten games right in a row after that. So at that point, we lost to Wisconsin at home on January 23rd. Everything just looked awful. Like We were playing very poor basketball all over. I'd go a week before that. I'd say the Iowa game was the – this is not. Well, will, oh yeah, going to be nearly as good as we thought. The ninety-five it was. to seventy-one loss. Like at that point, after we were winning lucky, ninety-five, like, sixty, are we going to well, like finish last in the Big Ten? Are we going to do anything? But then we went five of six, and mm-hmm. you went beat two wins over ranked teams of Maryland, Michigan State. You also six nine of Nebraska Rushers and Ohio right. State. Like really great, really great stretch there. Georgie really had his coming out party. He had that Rutgers game. He broke the freshman scoring record with 36, 38 points, whatever it was. You have a really tough home win against Nebraska, even though Nebraska was really in it. at that time. you know, Beat Michigan State, beat Maryland. That's good. That's good. Beat Ohio State, who, you know, they're not that great of a team, but still. Take on them, the road. You know, on the road. You know, that's great. But the problem is, after you get that win, those wins, it kind of all fell apart again. Down the stretch from that point, they only won one more regular season game, and that was over Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, so it, back to the, the kind of the three-stage thing, that, that stage one, your non-conference slate, where, again, like you mentioned, you lost, lost to Missouri, lost you know, to Florida was, Atlantic even. Maybe was, say stage four, where you have one, bad. rough start, 2 were really bad, three, hey, look, there's life now, and then four, like, oh, just kidding. Well, I well one, yeah, just a rough start. And then stage two, I'd go, we're, we're pretty good. And that was the, you at least, you know, you, want, you win six of nine games between from Minnesota to Ohio State. And then stage three is the, uh, well, I guess we're not quite what we thought we would be. And I guess the most frustrating part about this season is... After having won four consecutive games and then venturing on the road, Cole Center at Wisconsin, that's a tough it, game. I mean, it felt like a turning point at that point. Like it—it, it, I know a lot of people are tweeting the we back thing, even though that was very premature, as I've <laughs> said many times. But, you know, the fans were feeling great. Like, there was some energy and oh, excitement. Yeah. And then that's it all just cool. went away. Well, and, and it went we away at the Penn State. To be Wisconsin on the road after that thing, but when you lose to Penn State at home. That was you, that's where the knife and then that's you get where crushed I, by Purdue on the road. Which I even so but even still though, I from a what I like to call myself a reasonable expectation fan. Yeah, we were going to lose to Purdue, but the way we lost was Eh. It, it, it exposed us to look very poor, and then you come back to beat Northwestern, but then you lose to Indiana Big. That, I was going to say Indiana and Penn State. So the fact that you didn't beat Penn State Especially twice, in, and Indiana, Indiana was a must-win to not finish bottom four game, and we yep, lost. yep. Which again, it looked like the team had potentially turned the corner in big games earlier on in that uh, in that winning stretch. So, and then the final stage was Big Ten oh. tournament, which ultimately that they looked. That team in the Big Ten tournament looked exact. You know, we are who they thought they were. Well, that Northwestern they were they game, they were. That Northwestern game was awful. I'm just shocked that they won it. Mm-hmm. Georgie fouled out going into that overtime. Georgie was the only player working that whole game, but in overtime they hit some threes. You know, and win it. But Thank you shouldn't God. be playing a game like that against a team as poor as Northwestern is. Mm-hmm. And then you do, and then you beat them, and then everyone basically knew that Iowa was going to crush us. And then they did. I, I was just, I should have bet Iowa minus everything. I should have finally actually got into the world of sports betting for <laughs> no, that I one. Cause about. I was, I was more sure of everything. I was you know not the line. Sure. What was the line on that game? Minus five Iowa. And was, oh, like, I, I knew Lord. for sure we were going to be losing by like 20 points. And it's pretty lost by 21. There was just not a shot there. I was a bad matchup for us. Uh-huh. And that's just how the season ends. It's, Started with a whimper. We came, we looked like we might make something of it in the middle, and then it ended with a whimper. If we're actually to look at this at a more holistic point of view, the non conference play, yes, was much worse than we expected. We expected to, yes, have a losing record. This is one of the toughest schedules in the country and the toughest schedule Illinois has maybe ever played. But you still expect, if you're, if we're going to say that Xavier, Missouri, and games around that nature, Georgetown are 33 percent chance win games, if not better. You expect to win one or two of those. You should not be losing to FAU. That it, ultimately is I, for you me. You can't lose that game. Is what all those, did it? Yeah, you can't lose to if you're going to play a super tough schedule and play in the toughest Maui ever. You can't then lose to FAU in Missouri because Missouri mm-hmm. is garbage this year. Yeah, so or even Notre Dame on the road, or you know, in or Georgetown a, at home. Exactly, Georgetown at home. All non-tournament I'll even, teams. I'll even and throw in Ohio State at the United Center. I mean, yeah, that was a gettable game too. But it's all understandable that it happened. It was disappointing. But if you go into the Big Ten season, seven and thirteen is pretty much right what I predicted us to be in conference play. I think seven and thirteen is a pretty okay step up from let's call let's say, they went four and fourteen last season. Let's say. If they play two more games, let's be generous and say they win one, so they go 5-15 and 15 last season. So it's called a two-game improvement in conference play this year. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the wins were also packed into one little area pretty much that it makes it not feel like it should. Like if those wins were more spread out and it was more 7-13, and 13, so we win one, lose two, win one, lose two, more of that nature rather than we pack them all into one stretch – Mm. Maybe we feel a little bit better about how that went. Because we started Big Ten play 0-5, and, and we finished it 1-5. Really disheartening to have That's to go through those stretches. Pretty so telling. If it was more spread out of those wins, you feel a bit better. But if you look back 7-13, and 13, there's not really too much to complain about. Because let's just say the conference schedule gets a lot easier next year. I mean, non-conference schedule gets a lot easier next year. We improved to go 9-11 and 11 next year in conference play. It's not a huge jump up from 7-13, and 13, even 8-12. and 12 that could be good enough to make the tournament. Mm -hmm. So seven and 13 is not the worst things to look at, but it's just that they all came in that one stretch and it makes you feel like why did we finish so poorly and start so poorly at the same time? I think it's because these games and some of these losses are coming against non-college basketball known powerhouses you, you know, for example, again Losing the Florida Atlantic, Penn State, the Florida yeah. Atlantic game just that that hurts. Penn State, you nailed that. Um, even like Minnesota, to an extent, you had you um, we had well, yeah, the first they got revenge on us. The they row. beat us really bad. If we beat them good, so it's sort of erased that goodwill of that win. Yeah, yeah, and then the Nebraska loss early in Nebraska, and it just there's. I think the when it comes to expectations in this team with the fans and us being fans is that everything is transitioned from, well, it's non-conference and basically the only way that you're going to lose to a team is if it's a well-known programmer that, you know, it's a dangerous game. If it's a program that fans would know like a Xavier where they've made, I think two final fours in the last 10 years, you're playing a Missouri Tigers team where, yeah, that's a bragging rights game. And again, any, any rivalry game, in a, in a quote neutral side, think that anything can happen. Even Georgetown is okay, you know, it's a reputable program may not be where they used to be back in the uh, early 2000s, late 90s, we but it's still McClellan a reputable program. A, we let Pat McClung turn into a dunk god in that game. Yeah. Um, and even Iowa State and Xavier. Iowa I think State that's kind of what, one of the disappointing things about this season, too, is how in some games, our defense basically, we had teams against our defense literally just try what's the coolest dunks we can do. Yeah, the, but again, you not only out, were we bad on defense, we were being embarrassed. At you, oh, for sure. But even still, even in those games where, okay, I think that there's, from a, from a mental standpoint, okay, there's a chance that you could lose those games with, with, with as weak, let's call it, as this program has been in the past few years here. Um, in the past handful of years, actually. Now that has become a reality. But even at that stage of the game, you look at uh, what the Big Ten schedule is and you still think and, – and it's kind of the same thing for football, too. There's no reason why Illinois should be less than the middle of the Big Ten. and it shouldn't it, 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 be in any sport. In the bottom four of the conference. Yeah. Exactly. In anything, in football or b- basketball. I'm not asking for championships. I'm not asking for national championships. Hell, I'm not even asking for divisional championships if we're talking football. However, the idea that you should basically win every game that's played at the State Farm Center and then split your road games. i You know, first of all, that and that in and of itself is going to get you into the top five of the Big Ten if you split your road games and win your home games because you're looking at what roughly a ten and seven season if you do that Some, something like that. I, I'm, I mean, if you again, literally split win all your home games and split the road, you're fifteen and five. So that's a little bit extreme of saying, but let's say you win eight, still or eight home games. You win four or five road games. You're Still, right. look at your you know look at your road games. Penn State, you should win. Purdue, okay, you lose. Wisconsin, you lose. Ohio State, you should win. Minnesota, you should probably win that game. A well, ranked we got kind team. of lucky this I year. Would lose schedule, to be honest in Big Ten play, we only played Purdue and Michigan once, mm-hmm. and both of those were uh, well. Purdue was on the road, yeah, but you, Michigan was at Penn State and home. Northwestern twice. Nebraska yeah, Purdue was bad twice. You know. Even you play okay, even you play Indiana on the road, and again, Indiana's, Indiana's not is not that good. Right, but you still lose that assembly hall fine I'll See, I'll every, even w- every pretty much every conference loss we had is understandable. I don't really know if it's that great to break down each one of those. I but I think overall, just to wrap up my thoughts on the season, is this season I think we can get hyped up into like oh this is the first time we lost 20 losses what an embarrassment or we can look like oh wow we did this non conference play bad but at the end of the day does it any does it matter does it actually matter this season was never going to make the we were never going to make the NCAA tournament we we're never going to make the NIT we we're never really going to do much of anything we all expected I mean, maybe if we're lucky we'll flirt around 500 and we fell a bit short of that but honestly who cares being uncompetitive is uncompetitive no matter how many wins or losses there were right this season was never about this season. It was all about building for next season. But even in that context, where you start to run into issues is, the things for next season, a lot of the things that we took for granted this season as being things that would happen or like we would improve in, just didn't happen. It kind of feels like besides adding Georgie Bashan and Chavilli, who was just total found money as mm. far as a post-scoring threat. and a story there. But besides that, where have we really progressed? It feels like it was just sort of a stagnating year. And it doesn't mean get mad at Brad. It doesn't mean anything. Like, it's just sort of a, well, I. who cares about this season? That it didn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, I think what we all wanted – was to be surprised some of us it was the quality of play from certain individuals I would assume some people thought you know hey or some people want to be surprised hey when you know a, a big you know we wanted game. To see improvement on the defense which was awful last year maybe it's like hey let's start to see this defensive system do more or oh let's see this spread offense develop more but right and in the spread offense the defense continued to be bad we kind of just held i don't even know if you can call it holding serve but all that's really changed is we've got Kofi Cockburn coming in as a recruit. Great. We have Georgie Bichoncivilli, total found money. I would assume you, really good freshman year. Might be sticking around for sophomore year. We don't know. Besides that, what's changed over this season? And it's really not much. So at the end of the day, I don't yeah. really think there is any takes you can have about this season. Some people are upset and like, oh, man, Brad Underwood should be concerned. I'm like, no, he shouldn't. It's his second year. It was, a, it was an experience. Expectedly mediocre. It went season. a little bit worse than a lot of people hoped, and getting 20 losses is not good. But we were never making the NCAA tournament, or the NIT like? Right. I mean, well, I mean, the, from an NIT standpoint, if you want to have that conversation, from an NIT standpoint, what do you have to win? 18 games. We would have roughly? had to win Indiana basically, and. We're have to win, so have to win, going to win 18 games. games if the schedule is the thing let's let's jump ahead here let's revisit <laughs> let's revisit these uh these well, preseason. let really let's give our accolades actually before we get into that but anyways let's just go through these really quick player of the year for, Georgie yes yeah, Georgie like I-, I hope scored more controlled more of the pace of the game but Georgie was our MVP for sure absolutely the clear point in that is that at the end of the year teams basically just keyed on it keyed in on if we stop Georgie, Illinois can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Georgie, Man, it's, it's Georgie. It really is player of the year and biggest <sighs> surprise already too. It's Georgie Bishanshvili. No one expected him to, we expected him like, Hey, if we can play this guy 20 minutes a game, that'd be a huge, great thing if he could score like you know six or seven points Dude, we talked about him splitting time with de la rosa at the beginning of the year like maybe maybe we we were like what can we do to get 40 minutes at center and not have it be a disaster welcome hey georgie could play 26 minutes a game he's been so much fun man i I, had his issues but a lot of his issues were the same you expect out of any freshman big but yeah he took over this team too the i the yep. love of the fans. He stole, like, Trent Frazier was our darling. And I still, Trent Frazier is still beloved, but Georgie kind of stole all that away. Trent Frazier was the darling talent. Georgie's the face. Yeah. And, and that's something that this program, I, we should, I'll probably put a column together on this at some point, but that's something that this program hasn't had in a long time. And Malcolm Hill was the face. So, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, we may disagree on this. I'm going to let you go first. All right. I'm going Andres Feliz. Um, from, from what I saw in person this year, um, that kid came off the bench in multiple situations to, to face some of the tougher guards in the country this season. Um, in particular, I forget who it is. But you had Feliz. You had Feliz. There were the first of all, the Northwestern game in Evanston. You had Felice keeping the Illini in that game defensively. That was clutch. You had him on, uh, he's been diving on the floor for balls all year. Like I, that, Andres Feliz is my defensive player of the year, just from what I've seen this season. So, on Andres, I, I'd say he's a good defender. He's not bad, but I think you might be overrating him a bit just because of how poorly the rest of our guards defended, mm-hmm. especially like Trent Frazier and even DeMonte Williams. DeMonte Williams has a lot of. Physical talent, but he could make a lot of mistakes on defense sometimes that were just frustrating. Especially Demonte Williams committed so many fouls that were just, "What are you doing, man?" Demonte What's going on a half step behind every play, and it's but like, yeah. Dream. So I think part of that, like I'm not saying Andres was bad, but I think the clear choice winner for me is Aaron Jordan. That's my second place because yeah. of how well he could. His rebounding was so clutch. He was our only plus rebounder, I'd say. And he's the second the best rebounder on the team. This rebounds on defense was great. He really helped make up for some of our poor rebounding from Georgie, especially on the defensive boards, is not good. And then the rest of our teams just we were playing small. It's hard to get rebounds. I think Aaron Jordan did good. And despite his lack of foot speed, that dude fought, played as hard as he could, took tough matchups and played as well mm-hmm. as well as you could have expected. Like Aaron Jordan was the only guy on defense. I was like, Yeah, he's gonna take care of his job and do it no matter what. And mm-hmm. I felt great about him. He wasn't a shutdown, lockdown defender, which maybe just speaks about the defensive capabilities of this team overall. Right. That Aaron Jordan's winning this award for me. But I, I feel so great for Aaron Jordan that he's able to have a pretty good senior year, like overall. And we'll get into more of the individual players here later. Biggest disappointment for you, Brad. So I think I can start here because I was already talking about it a little bit for me. But for me, it was the. Growth of the sophomores, mostly DeMonte Williams, in that the Mm -hmm. growth kind of didn't exist. We expected a bit of a jump from DeMonte Williams, especially on the offensive end, to where maybe he could at least make a shot every now and then, but there's too many games where DeMonte Williams just couldn't hit anything and was just such a minus on offense that any sort of plus he could give you on defense are by doing the hustle plays or those big DeMonte Williams sort of gritty sort of moments. Just mm-hmm. didn't really help you because of how poor his wee was on offense. But we still started him half the year because we didn't have anybody else to really take those wing spots and that Brad felt comfortable with. So I expected a lot more of DeMonte. And then if you even talk about the other sophomore, Trent Frazier, Trent Frazier kind of just had the same season, if not a little bit worse than he did his freshman year. Yep. And we expected a bit more out of Trent. Trent looked out of chemistry a lot with Ayo and having less of the ball in his hands. He just looked a little bit lost at times. There's too many games where Trent didn't really make too great of an impact. His defense at times, just and part of his defense, just he's small. Mm-hmm. It's tough to play defense when you're not that big, but he can still go supernova and have these great moments and do these amazing things. And he can win you some games all on his own. He tried to do that against Mizzou and against Gonzaga and against Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but it was just too inconsistent at times. And I expected a little bit more of a jump. And it's not saying he's a bad player, but maybe he just is what he is. So, for me, it's just the jump of the sophomores, the non-existent jump of the sophomores is the biggest disappointment. Okay. I, I, and I agree a little bit. I think Trent's a good pick for that. Um, but my biggest disappointment of the year was Kipper Nichols. Um, I mean, that's probably pretty fair. <laughs> that I there was there was an expectation after last season that Kipper would at least – improve from a from from everything standpoint from an everything standpoint from you know increased three point percentage or not increase but at least be about where he was well, we wanted kipper nichols to slot into the starting role and finally start yeah and you Latin. know providing some decent play and and at least it became to really obvious year. really early that that wasn't going to happen yeah, no, not at all. And it, from last season, again, here's the, here's, here's the gap. He's basically – he's played a roughly about the same minutes per game. He's 18.1 this year, 19 last year. I believe uh, Kipper was out this year earlier uh, with a hand injury at some point. Uh, field goal percentage is roughly about the same. Three-point percentage way down. He was .37. He was, he was, he was basically 37% from three last year. He's yeah, his freshman shot. year, Kipper Nichols shot 444 from three. You know, but not on a high usage. Went to 378 on 2.6 per game. You know, that's fine. But then it dropped yep. to 2.19 this year. Shot the ball less and made less. Um and same three-throw percentage went from 862 to 579. Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, but the his biggest- rebounds, despite playing the same amount of minutes, his rebounds went from 4.2 to 2.7. His points went from 10 to 5.7. Like, he yep. – not only did he not grow into a player that we thought we could get, he just – Kipper got regressed. Worse. He got worse. He did. There was one game there where it okay, looked like I think like- you convinced me, Brad, that it's pro- we should give this to Kipper outright. I just forgot about it sort of to give it to him because it was so bad for the whole season that we kind of forgot that we once had expectations for Kipper Nichols. The one game where I thought he had turned the corner. So this this came after he had played, I want to say it was four or five consecutive games um, from the, I think he, he scored like eight points or whatever it was against Northwestern or Michigan or something like that. And then he went the next four games without a bucket. No, I take that back. He went the, he went the next five games without Without a bucket, he played very few minutes. We thought, and then it gets like maybe he's injured, maybe he's not. We'll see what happens. And then he came back against Nebraska at home, and they absolutely and he lit it up. He went 18 points. Uh, I think it was two for three from three point or from three point land. He shot. He played 29 minutes. Six rebounds Underwood's too. Like it was his yeah. game. Underwood put him in the game, and that was a you know what? Here's the turning point because at the beginning of the year, Kipper was that. Yeah, he you know scored. pretty well beginning of the year, I mean one, two, three, four, five, six, seven double digit point games in the first ten games, like seven out of 10, like that's fine, but then he only has that Nebraska game that you just mentioned was the only game that he scored in double figures for the rest of the season, and he had as you said one, two, three, four, five games in a row with zero points, and he also mm-hmm. threw in two more zero point games at Wisconsin and versus Penn state, yep. yeah, yeah, now kipper Kipper was my kind of you needed a reliable forward. You needed a fo- you needed a fourth double digit score, I thought it was going to be kipper it wasn 't and uh, and All yeah right. so he he 'll be back next year so we 'll see we 'll see man because i he could grad transfer, and if brad under like, i I would not say Kipper needs to leave if he wants to stay stay. because we 're going to have open scholarship for him anyways if he wants it. But Brad Owner might just have an honest conversation with him, like, "Hey, I don't think we're going to be playing you next year because we're having Tevian Jones and Alan Griffin, and maybe they'll bring in another wing and recruiting that, like, they're probably all going to play over you." Man, Underwood just seemed to be all in on Kipper, though, like in even through press conferences and everything else. That just yeah, but at some point you just mind boggling. You just have to accept that he's going to be a redshirt senior who hasn't provided you much in his redshirt junior year. Like, you got to move on. Yep, and oh, play yeah. other guys. So, yeah, biggest disappointment for sure, Kipper. Second place, maybe the non-jump of DeMonte and Trent Frazier. Uh, What is your best and your worst moment of the season, Brad? Can a whole season be the worst moment? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's what it kind of feels like. It almost feels like all the bad moments of the season are just like one combined just thing. (laughs) Not yet. No, I... Every moment that's like the worst moment is like the same story. I'll go... So the, I think best The moment is the Maryland win or the Michigan State win. Pick your choice. Are <laughs> you going even argue Gonzaga? I mean, I. Th- so as I'll go as a team and then as a fan. As a team, the best was um, the 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 best by far was the Michigan State game. That was that's obviously the best moment that the team had. Um, I disagree. I'd go Maryland just because it was. In Madison Square Garden road game, quote unquote, and I thought that, that win. Was, I feel like the Michigan State win was kind of we just we kind of came out really strong and just held on. Mm. I feel like the Maryland game we kind of controlled the whole way, and I felt really good about how we played. I still from from being at Assembly Hall to or State Farm Center to watching that building come to life once more. The the whole man remember when the marketing department was even doing the whole like oh the roar is back at the house of pain and all this other stuff it's like dude stop claiming things are back before they're actually back (laughs) and it it was don't get me wrong they had a night and it was it was fun that was that that still that michigan state game was just super fun the fact that it was at home was great well it was but i'm just what the, a the, one you want to pick. The worst moment for me was, or the, the worst moment, at least from the team standpoint. Um, it can be from your own personal standpoint. I think that I think that Iowa game was really bad. Which one? The the yeah right. Um, both, both were probably, pretty bad. Yeah, both are pretty bad. Um, I might featuring even featuring Tyler Cook dunking on us at will. I might even throw in the Ohio State game. at... Uh, at a, at the uh, at the United Center, man, that that was. I think that was the one moment that everyone realized there was a big problem, and it wasn't it wasn't good, man. The fans that that were not happy about it, and those are Chicago fans; they're not champagne fans. So that was the that's the time All you right. get to see that team go. But my personal favorite, best moment of the year is at the Nebraska game, when I'm sitting in the, in the cross aisles in the, in the main concourse, and the what used to be the B ring, now it's the Legacy Club or whatever I forget what they call it. Um, oh no, I take that back. I'm up a level from that, and I'm, uh, I'm shooting photography down. Um, and De La Rosa gets the ball for the first time in the game, and the, a guy from the first row of the 200 level, all of a sudden you hear. Oh God! Here we go. And the <laughs> second he touches the ball in the paint, that was that was hilarious. Was he saying it like, "Oh no"? Oh yeah. The ball, or Absolutely. was it like, "Oh man, he has the ball, man. He's going to put it in"? Oh no! It was you could you. It's, oh God! Here <laughs> we go. And, it was like, and sure enough, I think he he put the ball on the floor once, tried to go up with his left hand, completely just cold missed it short. Oh, it was beautiful. That That's good. that. That moment in that game, again, where Illinois almost lost the game by missing all of the free throws late. That, I think, is still my favorite moment of uh, of this year in that building or being a fan and, and being, uh, being there alive. Yeah, so for me, though, the worst loss and the worst moment was the Missouri loss. Because you were there. Well, I was there, but... That was the one game where I actually, at the end of it, was questioning the effort of a lot of the players because we were so lifeless. Trent Frazier was doing his damnness to try to win that game. You know, he was playing. No, he was. He was trying. He was playing as hard as he possibly could. But in that game, we had nothing from Io. Georgie was shut down. Basically, it was a close game at halftime, and we lose the second half, forty to twenty-eight to an uh, what was, ended up being an awful Missouri team. That game just, it means a lot. And we had it, and we basically just died on the court. Like, that second half, we just gave up and died. Crawled into a ball and just gave up. <laughs> and it was awful to see. Fred Frazier, though, 28 points in that game, man. Six for 13-3. I was there for my brother, who, like, is not a big college basketball fan, but he went with me anyways. And, yeah. Trent was so great, but everyone else, I'll just assume you when that game gave you two points, you know? Yep. It was just a bunch of nothing. Just, yep. it was awful. It was, Ow. and it was one of those, it was the true moment where I was just like, man, I really, really, really don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Cause we were on defense in that second half. It was a nightmare offense. Our offense was pretty much the Trent Frazier, please save us. Yeah. Yeah, that... Uh, so that was, for me, and just how important that game is for people from this area. Man, because that... Oh, again, good, Illinois fans way outnumbered the Mizzou fans. You could feel the energy. I felt for sure we were going to win that, and maybe it would be the moment that sparked a bit of a revival mm-hmm. of the season, and we died on the court. <laughs> Never fun. Uh, biggest uh, or, or most improved uh, player, Brandon? Most improved player... It's a tough category, to be honest, because a lot of our returning players really didn't make much of a jump. You know, like Trent kind of had the same season. Andres is a newcomer, so... Demonte Williams kind of didn't do the same. So he had to give the awards to Aaron Jordan. Fair enough. Uh, Most improved for me is Tyler Underwood. Um, He got uh, (laughs) got some more points this season. Underwood put him in. He played more minutes uh, on average. He couldn't play last year, though. It was a transfer Mm. year. So yep. Yeah, counts, so yeah, you know, he, got, he scored so more mine. points than he did last year. Uh, you know, he, he out-rebounded. Assist, he improved in literally every category he could. So Tyler Underwood's my most improved player. We'll, of, we'll talk more about Tyler later. but Of the season. Uh, our, our preseason Final Four picks, this is fun. This is really fun because we all got three. I think, I think we all get three out of four correct. No, No, well, there's no way that I can get all the Final Four left. But at least me and you, all four of our picks made the fight, made the NCAA tournament. Uh, Oregon barely's going to get in, but we're they all right. They won the Pac-12 title, so that's they're in. Yep, thank you, Ducks. But we're all right. I was going to say they got in; it wasn't pretty, but it but anyways, got it got the job done. Your Kansas, t- your Kansas pick when your worst team is the 17th ranked team in the country, it's not a bad thing. Because um, I basically from the preview show. Oh, by the I don't way, if you remember, should- but I was basically like. I don't. I think it's predicting Final Fours is ridiculous because there's always some shock teams, So I'm just basically going to pick the best four teams. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's the uh, similar the to the Blue Blood program that that Bill Connolly wrote. I, well, two of the teams I picked might be one seed. So we should we should I probably, probably for the list. For the listeners that are still <laughs> listening to this godforsaken show, um, we uh, I picked uh, the Oregon Ducks, the Michigan State Spartans, the Kentucky Wildcats, and the Duke Blue Devils. Brandon took the Duke Blue Devils, the Kansas Jayhawks, the Kentucky Wildcats, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Matt O'Neill, <laughs> he can't defend <laughs> himself, so it's fine. Matt we O'Neill <laughs> took the he Kentucky- took Virginia and Kentucky. He two took the Virginia. Days. We all yep. took Kentucky. You know, and Kentucky didn't have that great of a year, but Kentucky can always make a tournament run. They their won fi- the their final fifth, title with their like their worst country. team. Yeah, the, yeah. Kentucky's having an off-year because they're ranked fourth in the country. Um, they are ranked fourth. Jesus, I didn't Yeah, they're twenty they're twenty-six and five. Enough. Maybe um, because it's just all been Tennessee and the SEC, but whatever. Yep. Uh, Virginia, Virginia might be a one seed. Number That's two amazing. in the country right now. That's a good take. But uh, <laughs> Then Matt went on a limb and, uh, and, and went full Archie Miller with the Indiana Hoosiers. Which and, may not make the tournament at this point. And it's how, going to be close. We're, we're recording and this how before. Do you, so and how do you follow up that pick? You follow that up with the Bobby Huggins' is, is West, West Virginia, Virginia Mountaineers. I need to go find the Big 12 standings. They're like four and fourteen or something like that. They are the bottom feeders of the big twelve right now at four and fourteen. They are not worse than the are they worse than the Illini? Oh, my laundry's done. They're not worse than the That's a worse conference record than the Illini. I don't it know is I a worse conference record, but a better overall record. So the Illinois finished twelve and twenty-one, the Mountaineers finishing fourteen and twenty. Uh, I think we're going to, uh, I, I appreciate Matt going on on a limb there, but that, uh, not a good take uh, total wins at 13 and a half. Brandon and Matt both took the over. I was the sensible one and took the under again. I, th- I, think- I don't know if he called sensible. If we beat FAU and then you win one of those other games, we should have win. That's 14 and it's over. Like, yeah don't but, make fun of me too bad for that no 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 I, this is i this is where i think i think 13 and a half is a pretty good median in terms of where the season could have been and that's why i think 18 like the ceiling if everything perfectly goes right i think 18 is when that's just me you know driving the the dagger in a little bit more that's Actually, just uh, be reminded of what the expectations were before the year 13 and which, half was our over under. We barely missed it. Speaking of expectations, we set the conference win record at five and a half. We all took the over and we all were right. Yep. All got seven. Kind of funny so how like I said though, though. It's like if you just take the seven and 13 record and ignore the context, you're like, cool. Awesome. You know, that's great. Good to see progress. But taking into mind that like they were all bunched up into that one little segment, and you had two really tough stretches. Makes it a little difficult. Uh, points per game, we set the over under <laughs> at eighty. Uh, and, Way too ambitious. <laughs> and and Brandon and I both uh, the non ambitions ones and went under. I think I honestly think that. It, and again, if you're if you're gonna play the what if games, what needed to happen is Io needed to be one of the best guards in the country, which he wasn't. Um, and you needed other I'd scoring. say I Ohio, was. You're trying to trash Iowa. Ohio. Iowa's pretty good, man. He was the, pretty good. The reason good. we didn't he's get point. not elite. I am going to die on this hill. He is not an elite guard. He was a freshman guard. He got freshman all Big Ten. Like, yeah, freshman all Big Ten? Yes. He's a good player. Again, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a good player. But here's what needed to happen you needed Trent Frazier to do what he did last year because I think Trent had 15 points. Well, you game. needed Trent to score to average about. 16 to 17, which is what he was averaging in conference play last year for the whole season. Which he- I take that back. Trent was 12 and a half last year. He improved to 13.7 points yeah, per but game. Kip- well, Kipper Trent, lost you have five to, points. You have to remember that Trent only started half the year his freshman year. If you just look at his starting numbers from his freshman year, his mm-hmm. points actually went down this year. So between Trent and then Kipper, again, losing half of his production, that hurt. Also, didn't DeMonte have more points last year? I don't know. Whatever. On average? Our offense, too often this year, there's a few games where we scored under 60, and that's just, if we're trying to play this Brad Underwood, you know, high pace, high-octane offense, you know, we're going to, like, give up a bunch of points, we're going to score some points, too. 72.7. Not quite going to do it. Not um, a little bit. Now, uh, interestingly enough, though, the three-point percentage last year being .326, so 32% 32 from three-point land. We all took the over on that this year, and the Illini did improve to 34%. The reason I went over was for the same reason I said of, like, we lost Mark Smith, who was jacking up pointless threes to down our number in 2017-18, and we improved that. God, still, man, three-pointers I think is one of the areas we really need to improve next Mm -hmm. season. So our best three-point shooter probably for next year is Trent Frazier. But the, the thing about Trent Frazier is he's not a catch-and-shoot guy. No. He's not – like the only catch-and-shoot three-point shooter I feel confident in that we have is Tevian Jones. I was going to say – A lot Tevye of our three-point shooting is really off the dribble, you know, late in the shot clock. We don't really have what we need. I think our spacing sometimes can be messed up because at certain points when you're playing guys like – Aaron Jordan can shoot threes, but it takes them a while to get them off. Mm Devontae Williams is really a non shooter. We had too many guys on the floor that were just, you don't have to guard these guys. Right. Hurt us at times, letting Georgie get abused there down in the post. And we, I think we need more shooting. Even though we overperformed our mark from last season, went to 345. Oh, you're right. Three point percentage. I think we need more shooting. Absolutely. Um,. Turnovers, 11 and a half last oh, year, or, or 11 and a half was, the, over- I was the most wrong on. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we increased that number to 13.2. There wasn't any overly disastrous games. I think they were all just bad. Um, they were all equally bad in performance. <laughs> with, the, with the exception of the Michigan State game, where I think Michigan State had racked up, what was it, 26 or whatever it was, turnovers. It was ugly. Um, I thought Brandon, we were going to clean it up a lot. Brandon took the under, Matt hopeful. and I took the over on that, so we got that right, uh, by the under way. Under 11.5, man. I'm undefeated right now. Uh, attendance at twelve six. Uh, the average attendance for the season is 12,600. We all took the over, and we were right. Thank you to a four-game freaking winning Barely. streak. Barely, right. Yeah, <laughs> at 12,935, at 12, which is still We we'll also 000. hope that we had more weekend non-conference games. Like, that this attendance number Barely got there. We got there. We, we good. Trust the process. Uh, wins over ranked teams. Uh, yeah, we all took the over. We thought there was a, a win over a ranked team, and lo and behold, there were two. So we all got that one right. Now gets interesting because... <laughs> Let's just start with it. We actually put an over under for Kipper at 12.5 points. I game. was going to get it. Was <laughs> that I- was like how hopeful we were about Kipper Nichols. We're getting there. Um... No oh, let's just do man. that one first and then, me and you both pick under. But okay. I picked under to be more like he'll he score go- around the same, you know, ten He goes for, seven, yeah, he goes nine. from ten to nine or whatever it but was. Matt like- O'Neill picked the over twelve and a half points per game for Kipper and Love you, Matt. He not get that. Five point seven a game for Kip. Love you, Matt. Oh man, Trent Frazier points per game uh, at twelve point five. We all took the over, and Trent Frazier finished with thirteen point seven. That was good. Io Dassumu points Woo. per game. I got it. You, <laughs> I was we the had only one who believed. We had one <laughs> believer. Well, first of all, we set the we set the over under at twelve and a half per game, assuming that Trent Frazier would still be the guy. Um, And it turns out that I O was the the leading scorer at 13.8 points per game. Brandon, uh, the only one who took the over on that, both Matt and I took the under. Um, Well, I think that a lot of people expected Trent to be more of a playmaker and get more assists than he did, but his assist numbers were pretty low. Yes. Based on what we expected, but Trent, I I was able to score a lot more than we thought. His ability to hesitate and drive to the lane and finish was great. His three-point shooting was on and off at times, but... He can score, and mm-hmm. maybe he needs to improve his playmaking. But part of it is the reason his assist numbers are so low is what I mentioned before: is we don't have many catch and shoot guys, we don't have as many assist opportunities as some other teams possibly do. So that was that one, and then uh, and then player. If if was there going to be a player with over one hundred and fifty rebounds? Which we did the math. Wasn't That's that at five rebounds a game? Yeah, that was averaging five per game. Nobody saw it coming. Except Matt, so there you go, Matt O'Neill. Thank you for uh, for your thank you for your service. Um, yeah, but Georgie, if, he, if, if if he had to say yes, someone did, he wouldn't have said Georgie because no one none of us expected. Nobody Georgie knew it was going to be Georgie. To get that many rebounds, I think he was expecting like Kipper Nichols to get it or something. But Georgie, one seventy three, five point two yeah. per game. And Georgie, his rebounding on offensive end, I think is pretty what pretty good. He hustles, mm-hmm. and fights for it, but on defense, sometimes man, his defensive rebounding is part got of it case, is just he's got he's a case little, of the big guy hands he's, he's a little bit small but clumsy boxing out's not as good some of his issues can be solved by him moving to the four and kofi playing at the five but his defensive rebounding did hurt us at points taylor, taylor rosa had a big a big case of uh of even, big dude hands I, after this podcast is over i'm never talking his name again well, or would there be a player with over 125 assists it's a barely over four assists a game which yeah. we thought was going to be the case between Io and Trent, and it turns out that Io was the closest with 104 total this year. We all said yes. The answer was if we had better no. shooting and more opportunities for assist, Io for sure would have hit that mark. But yep. Trent Frazier's assist went down. Iotisumu po- uh, minutes per game uh, over under was 25. We all took the over. That was a pretty safe bet at 31.3 being the final result there. That was a good take. Um, Georgie Bishanisvili, the the over-under was 20 minutes per game. Here we go. We all said no. We all said no. There's no way Georgie plays more than 20 minutes a game. And we were right. He played 26. (laughs) Uh, the thing about is we didn't think georgie'd be that good but we also think he'd be in foul trouble causing those things to happen what we over assumed is that we thought that the other players would have more of an impact but he kept georgie out there even when he was in foul trouble he being brad underwood because there was really not another option but georgie Mm. by far led the conference in fouls it was i forget the stat but it was like an astronaut not hard he had 30 more fouls than the second place guy yeah, he played hard, and then uh, the final one, kind of the fun one, was Samba Kane. Will he average eighteen oh or, or will he average fifteen <laughs> minutes this season? We all said no, and we nailed that. Uh, Samba Kane barely found playing time this year at five point. We all said under fifteen, but we expected like eight to ten, and he gets five point one. Next like year, that. we need to set an over under for Tyler Underwood minutes. It needs to be a thing. Oh man! But man, revisiting those previews—it just shows. Hey, I think as a again, when it comes to team expectations, I think we all were prop- They hit the numbers, but the way that it happened was was a little not bit how we it right. pictured. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to breeze through some uh, some quick, uh, just some notables here in the in the in the players uh, mm-hmm. for the season. So we're going to have player reviews on the sh- site at thechampagneroom.com that will go into more of these stat details and more of the deep dives into the numbers of how these all players perform. But we just wanted to go, give you a quick thoughts on how a lot of players did. So we're with the seniors first up, Aaron Jordan. You know, I thought he had a really good senior year. It he had a very emotional moment at the end when he when he lost to Iowa coming off the court just full of tears in his eyes just very emotional like college basketball players and college players in general are mostly mercenaries we like to think that oh they love the school and they're coming here to help support you and this university and they you know and they have big strong emotional connections like we like to tell that story because it's what we feel as fans but it's just largely not the case it's more of a relationship of convenience and like they're going to this school because it was the best offer they had to play at a high sport level. But Aaron Jordan's one of those guys that truly did care about going to Illinois and the university and really loved playing for the Illini. And it's disappointing that this is how it ended for him, but he's coming back as a GA next year, so that should be good. Overall, it's probably a disappointing career for what we initially expected. He was touted as the missing piece. Yeah, and- I, think, I think we overhyped him. Ultimately, is what well, it came down to. John Gross called him this missing face fan. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, and John Gross also that. brought a yeah, John Gross also brought a ladder to practice as a, as a motivational tool. Which hashtag yeah. bring back team ladder um, fun. And then go ahead, Adonis. My God, I, here everything That's Magnus we say about Adonis needs to, <laughs> needs to be caveated by giving him all the credit in the world for even attempting to play this year. He tore his. ACL in the MAC conference tournament last season and yes. he was playing games for us in November. It, this guy was not fully healthy for us. And yeah, he was bad. He was bad at a lot of things. He was by far our worst player that mm-hmm. played heavy minutes. But coming off what he was coming off of, I don't know what we could have expected, really. Yeah, you needed size to give guys like Georgie His score plus minus was a minus 4.1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You needed, you, you needed, you basically needed a guy to come he off the bench. Yeah. You need a guy to give, you know, your forwards a break, specifically Georgie, um, you know, down in the paint. And he, he filled that space as well as he could have. And for that we you know, we we thank you. Thank you for your service, Adonis. Yeah, you, you will be forever so memorialized are, like, by the guy playing, in the yeah. two hundred level. Shouts to Adonis for giving it a go. We appreciate appreciate the uh, appreciate the breather off the bench. Uh juniors, uh you wanna just you want to run the and list What a smile. I hope he cool. stays so we can keep that smile around. <laughs> and plus he that does during needs- warm ups. That's cool. Drew yep. Case will be graduating and be a graduate assistant next season. So, Aaron Jordan and Drew Case sticking around the program should be good. Tyler Underwood, I think a lot of fans really got unnecessarily critical of him. He, if he was played as all, all the fans on social media were just all over him. And at times he was being played over Alan Griffin and Tevian Jones, which didn't really make much sense. But he only played, I think it was like four minutes a game, maybe. He averaged four minutes a game. Let me, let me just take a there look. There wasn't any game where he was really played for a high minutes. Something the only game that he played more than double-digit minutes was East Tennessee, and then Evansville, he played eight. He didn't play more than six minutes in any other game. So, I yeah. think people just overreacted to it a bit. It was disappointing at times. to see. It was like, Why are we playing his kid and not Tevian Jones or Alan Griffin? With how bad Alan Griffin and Tevian Jones were on defense, I can understand him being. Yeah, I'm a little with you there. Anyways. Kipper, um, we kind of talked about. Can Kipper Nichols, is he going to stick around? Our, and if he does, please be better than this year. Please be better our than that. Or please just don't play as much. <laughs> Andres Felice, surprisingly good. I, I I'd say think. surprisingly play pretty much what we thought he'd be you know eight yeah, just, remember my, eight points, my, my biggest surprise other than Georgie ah, it is, I I think there's there's room to grow there. I, I think he could I think he could make the biggest jump out of well, anybody on this roster. Was, uh he shot uh, over forty percent at his previous stop in a junior college and he only shot two seventy this year so there's room for improvement there but yep he, he is our best guard Coming off pick and roll, making some good decisions. I think he's a really he's all you want in a backup point guard for this. On to the sophomores. Zach Griffin, walk on. He played only four minutes the whole year. My guy. Think he made a. <laughs> I think he. I think he made a free throw. Way to go, Demonte Williams. We talked about his disappointment in any true lack of growth especially on the offensive end of the floor i think that he could potentially be a late bloomer sort of player this year there was often times where he had the ball wide open and he just wouldn't shoot it Mm -hmm. and we can't have a guard be unwilling to take wide open threes or at least not be like chester frazier good on defense yeah and his defense while he is he hustles he's at he does have good speed and athleticism he's big and strong very long it's not the type of defense where you just like okay he's not going to provide you anything offense but this defense man he's not a shutdown defender yeah ultimately is what it comes down to but there's still some potential there i think he could jump up but i'd like to see he started 18 games this year i'd like to see him be more of a bench guy next year Mm -hmm. and we possibly can get some more shooting in that starting Hmm. anyone know where we could maybe get four minutes per game from a bench player an extra four minutes per game for a bench player. Anybody? Yeah. Trent Frazier, we talked about, he kind of stagnated in growth this year. But the biggest issue with Trent is that in a more off-ball role, there was too many games this season where Trent Frazier was just a non-factor where you would just look up in the stats after a bit and like, wait, Trent Frazier's taking like four shots tonight? That's it? Yeah. There were a few games in there. Brent you know, always had a Supernova games. He had 30 points against Minnesota, 29 Gonzaga, 28 versus Missouri. Mm-hmm. But he also had some games where he scores three against Penn State on the road, six at Northwestern, only six at Notre Dame, eight at Purdue. Like, just some games where it just really wasn't doing much of anything. And it was just a big, huge concern. He had some games where he took two shots at Penn State. Yep, Sh- shots against UNLV. Like, yep. Ultimately, it. I want to see Trent Fraser was, shoot the ball more next season. Yeah, there and was some think, some mm-hmm. people thought that he had an injury going down the stretch of his legs because it seemed like every other game he'd like have a oh my god did he like die on the court moment. Yeah, it looked like it. Looked like it happened but in he the Ohio State. The drama, he, he just loved the drama. <laughs> yeah, I I want to see him shoot the ball more next season, and I don't know whether or not that it's means. Hard that you dish it between him and I O need to share the ball more or whatever it is but the he, fact that he to get a lot of shots he needs to be in rhythm dribble he's not a catch and shoot guy or he's not a guy who get the ball shoot it within 2 seconds mm-hmm. of getting it it's hard yeah. for it to get him shots without just giving him the ball and like okay Trent go So it's hard to fit him in an offense that's dependent on having multiple guards really handling it sometimes. Right. Yeah, again, just the fact, though, that he went, and I'm looking at it right here, the fact that he went the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, the best performance in his last eight regular season games. If even Hell, even if you include the last two games against Northwestern and Iowa, the most he ever shot the ball from three was six times, and it was against Northwestern at home. And even in that one, all six of his shots – or, no, I'm looking at the wrong stat. That's, um, that's from the free throw line. He, from three-point, he put up, at the most, he put up nine shots, and it was against Penn State at home and Rutgers at home. He went five for nine against Rutgers at home, one for nine against Penn State at home. Shoot the ball more, man. Everything else, he's like one for two, one for one, three for five. Shoot it, man. Shoot. Yeah. You're, you're a shooting guard. I remember talking before the season that I thought with Trent and Ile, we had one of the best backcourt duos in the country. And just based on the talent of those two players, not in the country, but in the conference, based on those uh, the talent of those two players, that should be true. Too often it was like Trent and Io couldn't both play well at the same time. There's too few mm. games where we really got good performances out of both, including Andres Feliz in there. It almost seemed like we could only have one guard at a time play well. So it made it so despite having Trent and Io both scoring around 14 points a game, we never truly mm-hmm. sort of got them both scoring 14 points a game right often. So the, yeah, it never um, happened in a chemistry tandem. issue or if it's a fit issue with the offense, but it's just sort of concerning and something that we hope can be solved a little bit next year. And Trent's still only going to be a junior. like He's still young, and mm-hmm. Io's going to be growing too. So hopefully that relationship can develop. Yep, absolutely. Let's uh let's breeze through the uh the extra freshman here before we get to the two Anthony centerpieces. Anthony Higgs, <laughs> my man, get the better. One thing I'll say about Anthony Higgs, he had the injury. Thank you for your service. But for a redshirted player, we heard the least about him of any redshirted player that we've had in a while. We heard a lot more about Joe Bertrain in his red shirt year and Michael Finke and Kibber Nickel. He's Ur-Nichol. the secret weapon. We heard literally nothing about Anthony Higgs. He's a secret weapon, for and he's season. six eight. No, two thirty, two forty, something like that. Like he could be a very useful player. You cannot stop him. You can only wish to contain but him. It's we heard nothing, so it's I don't know what's going to happen with that. It's just nice, dear man. That's man, that's the eight points per game that we need to around, get this let Let's see. Let's go, Anthony Higgs. Alan Griffin. Uh, he should have, should have. Well, yeah. Well, he well, played. He played in. He had plenty of game appearances. Needed more minutes on the floor. He was really, really poor on defense, though, when he played. And his shooting percentage from three, three four. Uh, he's just a guy who needs a little bit more time to grow. I don't know if next year will be a big jump for him, but I think in his junior and senior year, he can be a good quality player. Let's let's get more than two point eight points per game, please. Tev, dude, Tevian Jones. I'm still really high on Brad Underwood, though. Gate. When players got yelled at Tevian Jones got the worst of it of Brad and we're going into yeah. his face and just screaming at him. And Tevian Jones had the suspension to start the year. And then and this only kid. played four or five minutes in the first couple of games that he got back. I love his shooting stroke and I love how just willing he is to just let it fly. He's our best catch and shoot guy, even if he didn't shoot that high of percentage. But mm-hmm. against Maryland, he showed that all he could be. Against Maryland he had eighteen points four of nine from three, and he was he's a guy that you don't have to you know, try to get, uh, scheme shots for because he's just going to get his shots because he's unafraid to shoot. And he'd like to see that he's very athletic, very long. Mm-hmm. I think this guy could potentially take a huge jump in his sophomore year. I, I was going to say, really I think, I think that's him. the guy. Yeah. The guy with the biggest ceiling compared from this year compared to next year, but the guy who can how make a little Brad team. Underwood was on him, how hard Brad Underwood was on him this year. We'll see if he's here. I think he'll be here. I don't see any reason. I, why hope, he, he, I but, hope he's here. Tom McCain. My big thing is if we're only going to play Samba Kane 5.1 minutes a game and then a lot of games not even play him, why didn't we just redshirt him? Yep. Anybody know where we can get four minutes, an extra four minutes a game? Anybody know? Anybody know? There's games that we were playing that weren't close. I know Samba Kane's probably going to get destroyed if we go out there, but why not throw him in there? Yep. Remember early in the year, I think it was against UNLV, he actually had a pretty decent offensive game, like four or five. From the field, eight points. He hit a floater or two. Showed some offensive skills that we didn't think he'd have. But we picture the Brad Underwood center. You picture a guy like Sam McCain, big, long, can run up and down the floor and block shots. He was our only guy who blocked a pretty high percentage of the shots when he was on the on the floor. I, it's really going to be concerned. I don't really don't know how, what's going to be used next year. Is Antoine January going to go above him in the lineup? Is he really going to be able to find much minutes with Kofi Cockburn in January and Georgie? I don't know. We'll see. Is, uh, is, is he the, the, the Cam Miller of uh... – Oh, because Cam Miller was a walk-on. Samba Kane at least is oh, – like... no, not Cam Miller. Um, Cam Thomas. Perhaps. I think he's the Cam Thomas of the basketball team. Perhaps, but That's I my still take. think Samba has a lot of potential. But it's just we have a lot of big men now, so is he going to be able to play? George, we talked about already, too, moving on, but I love him. Georgie Georgie's the Blake Hayes of the basketball team. Uh, Georgie will be moving to the four next year. Mm. Mm-hmm. The thing we need to see out of Georgie with that move that's, that we're all just assuming is going to be made is he needs to shoot better. He basically could only shoot within five feet of the basket. His mid-range yeah. and three-point shooting was really, really, really poor. Could see a little improvement in the daft touch as well. If mean, he, he, he adds a three-point shot, it's over, man. Oh, it's deadly. Yep. No, yeah. he's, he's, he becomes, he becomes everything. But we're, we're going to talk about, so if Georgie's going to be playing at the four and Kofi Cochran's at the five, like our offense is no longer going to be the spread four out, you no. know, versatile style of offense. Like what were we going to do at that point? Like, it's very strange. to say, We're going to go to the Georgie. Georgie can pass. Okay. Ish for big money. He's not a ball handler. He's not, you know, a guy who can do the wing sort of things he's a pure Mm -hmm. post scorer yep how are we gonna solve that with Kofi at the same like he can be the Etuan Moore to the to Kofi's Jawan Johnson and then you've got you've got a Purdue system hopefully he can improve on those three throws and start shooting a little bit better he shot 167 from three and I don't think he made one for like the entire last half of the season yeah I was gonna say his brother threw up some really really ugly ones and Mid range, I'm not. I'm okay if he doesn't take mid range because they're not sufficient shots. But even from there, he didn't really provide much. I mean, but hey, he's so good at scoring in the post; it doesn't matter that much. I was gonna say, do give me, give me what you had this year, Georgie. Do it again next year. Just do it all four years. That's fine. I don't even need to see improvement from him. I think he's just naturally going to get better. His points uh, per game. I want to see better. I want to see him grow and develop more. But it'll, it will he will grow and develop more. But what you did this year, Georgie, I wanted to, is... but just shoot. I want you to. Sh- do the whole, what player was it where it's like he took ten thousand shots and that was the whole meme? I want that to be Georgie now. <laughs> and finally, Ayo Dasunmu. Io man, I think he was as good as we could have expected. I if he wanted to, he could go to the NBA draft and possibly be a late first rounder, early second. It depends on what he wants to do. I wouldn't blame him if he does, but I think he'll stay. I potential is sky high. I think his scoring is a lot better, than we thought his defense. I have no complaints. He showed the best clutch gene of anybody on the team, making some huge tough shots in tough games, mm-hmm. hitting some real big threes. Like that guy has the mentality you want of a lead player on your team. And I'm really excited to have him. I think we kind of overestimated him because it's like, oh, five-star, first five-star Illinois has had since Deep yes. Brown. But he wasn't the five-star that can change your program on his own. He's not Jabari Parker or no you know, sort of level of guys. Like – no Zion Williamson. No, yeah, absolutely. But I don't have any complaints. He's probably the best pure point guard we've had in a long, long, long time here. Since yeah. D Brown and Darren Williams. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Is he gonna grow and develop into more of a Darren Williams style? Because I think that's more of the level that he could be at with a little bit more length on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, seriously, all the potential you want in the world and Seriously, if he want to go to the NBA, he could. I don't think he will. At most, I think we'd be lucky to get one more year out of him. Yeah, ideally next year. But that guy, I don't have he's, any complaints about Io. Uh, thir- thir- okay, 13.8 points as the star guard for any basketball team. Again, I'm just talking star guard. It's not going to do it. But he's a freshman. And I understand that there's some development, there's some growth that can happen here, and there's definitely some hope in that. I think Ayo was, I think he, again, I think we overhyped him early, which is why I was from the start very much adamant about like we're very often as Illinois fans looking for saviors. Exactly, exactly, and and he could eventually, he could eventually turn into a guy that helps create a core of players along because right now he can be a lead guard on a great basketball team he could be a player and have it be his team on a great team but absolutely if the rest of everyone around him if you so here's here's my thing for next season if you have georgie have if georgie has the year if not a little bit better than he had this season if if you have you have Georgie, if you have Kipper who if assuming Kipper stays, Kipper throws on three more points per game, he all of a sudden he's an eight point per game scorer. And then Tevian plays full minutes and improves as we think Tevian Jones is going to improve, you throw an Io into that mix. And you have Kofi who Kofi Cockburn, let's just say he averages yeah. like 11, 12 points a game. That team makes the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, and I think Ile, What he needs to and, do this year is really establish it as his team, and he needs to be yes, the facilitator. He needs to be the main guy driving all the action. I know Trent Frazier's still there, but Io's Trent the doesn't have the killer instinct. I, yes, Iowa has a lot of room he can improve in, but I don't have any complaints. Yes, he was a freshman. This is a guy who has lottery pick potential. Mm-hmm. And even as a freshman this year, he showed some killer instinct, which is ultimately what I wanted to look for in a starting guard, that it's, it's seeming like that's more of a thing. Not a bad start to his Illinois career. I really hope he's around next year, and that's where it just I goes. think he will be, but Illinois fans are going to freak out when he enters the NBA draft without an agent so he can like go to the combine and all this other stuff. Let's talk a little bit about how you think Brad Underwood did this year. It's too early, I think, to judge him completely. I disagree. I think it's, but I think you can judge him. Some as Some of the co- problems we had this season were beyond this is a young team or there's growing pains. There was some real holes and issues exposed with Brad Underwood's system in the big 10 for sure. It, to that point, I think, I don't think he improved. Over last year, I don't think he regressed over last year. I the think thing, this was just kind of this I think season. what we've had is the two like this is Brad Underwood and this is what he is. And I think once you start adding, once you add more talent to this roster, which that will happen next year, you're really going to see what the Brad Underwood coaching style well, is. When, when we think about the Brad Underwood coaching style, we think about the four out high guard offense, you know, scoring a lot high pace but the two recruits we're bringing in next year are both big men so we're going to be looks like we're going to be playing two bigs next year so that doesn't look like a brad Underwood team that i imagined it was going to be we're going to like completely reinvent this offense again after this year we had to reinvent the offense this year we stopped doing the spread as much we did a lot more handoffs and pick and rolls and basically just kept running those pick and roll actions you know over and over and over again and then on defense the defense was just pathetic again we were 300th plus in opposing field goal percentage on defense awful awful we had a negative point differential giving up 75 plus per game only scoring 72 a game mm-hmm. you can say like yes we don't have the athletes to run the system we're pretty much going to be sticking with the same players next year and are two bigs going to be able to run this defensive system this high press right. and the thing is teams would pretty have some trouble in the first half against our press It was a little bit weird and strange in the second half we'd be killed routinely yeah i think the especially on offense that's the biggest one and when you're when you're going to the thing is yeah ignore the defense for a second because you're saying the offense yeah we always knew the defense was going to give up points and like probably a high percentage because that's the style of it but forced turnovers the offense is supposed to be the reason that that defense is fine because it will allow the offense to be more effective. But if this offense is not going to be a top Big Ten offense, it's not going to work for Brad Underwood at Illinois. Yep. Which, as of right now, the thing I want to see Underwood do next season is recruit some guards. Like, actually recruit some guards. I mean, with I.O. probably leaving, he definitely needs to get a new guard in there. Uh, I, yeah, I, you got to recruit some guards, but because all you've sh- all you've shown is that you can recruit big men for a system that's supposed to be centered around shooting the ball and specifically we really need wings too. Exactly, exactly. Catch and shoot guys. We need more athletic defenders
1: and mm. more three
0: point shooting, and we're adding two big men. I'm, <sighs> I'm not going to complain about adding Kofi Cockburn. You know, 280 hundred eighty pound guy that oh. can really. Really play on the inside and throw it down. I know with Georgie is a little bit more finesse, that's great. But I didn't imagine the Brad Underwood team being led by two big guys in the front court. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of questions on that end. On the defensive end, I remember he had a quote he was telling the Chicago Tribune. It's like, I could give up really easily and just play zone, but we're not going to be about that. But often this season, when it came down to it in clutch moments, we played zone. We turned to zone so often down the stretch in tough games. So do we believe in this defense or not, actually? Because when it came down to the real, like, come to Jesus moments, we, we gave up and played zone. And I don't okay with I'm... coaches being versatile. I'm totally fine. I think that's actually a positive when coaches will change their system and do different things in games. But when you have a coach that says, no, this is my system. We're going to run this. I believe in this. This is what we need to do. But then you keep changing it up in clutch moments. It makes you really question. Yeah, system. this is but this is where I'm torn as a fan because I was sold on the idea that you're going to outscore opponents to win games and instead you're now relying on defense to make some stops and I so if you're going if I'm answering this question as a fan of just the team and not thinking about the system and what we were promised and all that other stuff. Yeah, you know what? Sure, I can rely on the defense. That's fine. I can rely on bigger guys to kind of lock it down under the hoop. And the thing is, sure, like, yes, but this defensive years, system whatever. has two years in a row been one of the worst in college basketball. Yep, and you haven't done a whole lot to change and anything. And Kobe is not like a huge, amazing rim protector. Nope. Nor is right. he a huge, amazing. Nor is he a, an amazing scorer either. So that's where that's where I'm. I'm, I'm still very skeptical I think about it. Kofi could be an amazing score. It'll depend. But, anyways, eh. it depends on whether or not Georgie can shoot. It seems like if you're going to ask me what type of players we'd be bringing in year two to make the system work, we're not bringing those guys in. And instead, we're bringing in a system that's more of like what John Gross would have done, or, or Bruce like- Weber. Bruce, yeah, so it's just a huge there's a lot of questions right now. We want this year was all about building for next year, and we wanted to see progress and ideas and more an identity with this team. And we just haven't. Now, the culture could be vastly improved in that locker room, there could be a lot of buying, and that all could be positive, and that would be fantastic. But we can't tell that from the outside. No one really can except the players on the team and those coaches. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know if next year – we can talk about expectations now. I don't think next year has to be a make-or-break tournament year, but I do think we need to definitely get out of the bottom four of the Big Ten, and we definitely need to get our record around 500, if not better. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. They don't do the, um, the non-conference until a little bit later on in terms of uh, tournament announcements, although I to. Th- – We're not going to be playing the Maui tournament, toughest Maui tournament ever, so it's not going to be nearly as hard just because we do right. be that. But you still have the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You still, the, you still have the Gavit Games. There's whatever team you play in the United Center. I, I think it's an NIT or bust year. Like, it, you, it needs to be at least – a. you have to play in a tournament, in a tournament, not the dance. But if you, I think you need to make the NIT. You need to improve about by five or six wins. I'd expect us to be there. But this is what I'd bring up, Brad. Say we finish, you know – 14 and 18, something like that. You know, seven or eight wins in conference. We barely miss out on the NIT. We're not going to fire Brad Underwood then. No. Because of the schedule of the team, you'd be having Trent Frazier go to his senior year, potentially IO for his junior, but probably not. But you'd have the rest of his core, a lot of his players go to be juniors, and then you'd have, like, the timeline of events, George, you'd be a junior then too, would mm. make you want to give him the one more, okay, make the tournament or be fired year. Yeah. So I don't think he needs to make the tournament or the NIT, but I think that's what we should expect. We as a fan a base, more. we as a fan base, need this team to make a tournament next year. I yeah. I, I we, awesome, we, if you look at it, Kofi Cockburn, Georgie Pashana, Shavili, Trent Frazier, and Ayo Desumu make the goddamn tournament. You're close, you're guys. You're really close. Just I, on talent, you should win twenty plus games. Yes, on talent. Yep, and if this coach, and if and if Underwood is the coach that this team needed to reorganize some close games in big 10 conference play it, then next year's got to be the year it happens. Cause if it isn't the year after that, I NIT you're fired. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of Underwood. If you, fi- if he only makes the NIT in two seasons from now, the only way with- I'd fire him after next year is if he finished in the bottom four again. In the, in the Big Ten. I, I'll give you that. Again, it all depends on who you play non-conference. We need to see a lot of improvement. We need to see more shooting on the wings. We need to see some better defense. And overall, about the future, I feel a little bit uneasy. But with the talent coming in, I think that the talent rules the day at the end of it, and I still feel this team can reach the NCAA tournament here soon and hopefully can get back on the right track because – yeah, you got to make a tournament next we year. We need to stop having these seasons. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I don't know if, between this and the football team, I don't know if fans can take it anymore, man. I, it's it's got to happen next year. I, as a fan, can take it. A fan and alumni and whatever. I, they're, <sighs> do something. I just want to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take mediocre, man. Give me six wins every year in a bowl game. And then give me just an NCAA tournament berth. I'd, I'm not asking for much. I want Iowa's football team, and I want
1: give me team. i take, take being
0: Indiana's team. football team right now, man. <laughs> it's, I don't want Indiana's football team because they're in the East. That's true. Give but me Purdue's give me, give me football team. No, I don't. I want Iowa's football history, and I want – let's go with Wisconsin's basketball history. Yeah, but, man, for anyone still listening, thanks a lot for hanging on for this long show, season recap. I think overall, me and Brad and most of the people, I think it's – Yeah, you should be disappointed, but this season was never about this season. It was about next. A lot of uncertainty, but hopefully we can finally start playing games that matter and just enjoy watching the games again. But I'm just happy we have some time off now from the Illini. Go watch the golf team. Go watch the wrestling team. Go – actually, you know what? No, down Twitter and go outside and take a walk. Everybody, get some fresh air. You've been you've been cooped up for the last four months. Let's go. Get out. Yeah, we'll, get outdoors. <laughs> that'll do it for me, though. I'm Brandon Burkhead. You can follow me on Twitter at bburk3. But as we said, ter- get off Twitter. Go to a baseball game. They're free to go to. Brad Olippenker is over there at TCR. Brad, follow the Champagne Room at, at Champagne underscore room. Follow the TCR podcast at TCR podcast. Illinois, another season over, Brad. Hopefully closer to actually being good again god bless everybody's uh st patrick's day hangovers have a good monday